0: Welcome to Paper Team, a podcast about television writing and becoming a TV writer. I'm Alex Friedman, AKA TV Calling. And I'm Nick Watson on Twitter, and underscore NJ Watson. And today we're gonna to be talking about branding yourself as a TV writer. We'll explore how you can understand yourself as a person, as a writer, and as a brand. In short, why do you write what you write? Say it three times really fast.
1: Why do you write what you write? Right. There it is. All right, welcome back to our paper scrap segment. And first up, we have a little news or, or foreshadowing of news.
0: Yeah, it's an announcement about an announcement. We're going to have some major breaking news announcement in two weeks on PT 88. So make sure you tune in uh, to that episode and the paper scrap segment of it
1: for some years (laughs) we're also gonna go into a couple of shout outs that we received on twitter and also read a review that we recently got so the first one on twitter was from katherine weingarten and she says i'm obsessed with hashtag paper team podcast thank you so much i'm super interested in tv writing and your pod is so accessible and helpful hashtag yas 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 queen
0: All right. Other Twitter (laughs) shout out that we got is from Miranda Ryan, who says, TV writers, if you haven't yet discovered Paper Team Podcast, add it to your list now. It is insightful, practical, charming, and superbly structured. Highly recommended, especially for new writers. Thank Uh, you,
1: Catherine and Miranda. Really appreciate uh,
0: your shout outs. And we also got a review from Australia. From Maz with, uh, I think, six Z's and wait, two X's. Wait, let me read this to you in a stream. Maz XX. <laughs> Thank you for that, Nick. You're welcome. Uh, all right. The title of, of Maz X review says <laughs> insightful, practical, and charming. Apparently, we we're very charming. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> uh, good. Maz XX says, love this podcast. It's a practical, insightful, and charming exploration of TV writing. Listening from the start provides a step-by-step guide into all the most important elements of becoming a TV staff writer, as well as aspects you maybe had not considered. As someone hoping to move from overseas to Hollywood and break into the TV writing industry, it could not be more useful. It is well-researched, balanced, and entertaining in the delivery. Alex and Nick put in a lot of work to make sure they deliver really valuable episodes. I love how they summarize key takeaways and list all the resources mentioned in the show notes. We'll be mass downloading and listening to all the episodes. Thanks for making such a great resource.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, appreciate the nice words. Thank you, Maz. Mazza. That's what we call him in Australia. Or her. So this is kind of a spiritual 201 to our very early Declare Your TV Major episode. I think it was way back on our second episode, PTO2, and also somewhat following on from the Putting Yourself Out There in PT75. So now that you know whether you want to do comedy or drama, it's time to kind of find your niche and figure out how to sell yourself as that. And this
0: episode is really about this idea of branding yourself as a writer. And why is that important? Well, simply put, people in this industry will be talking about you, whether it's coworkers, representatives, executives, someone is either trying to sell you as a writer Or someone is trying to justify why they're going to be spending money on you as a writer. And in fact, shorteners hire you on the TV staff, not just because of your samples, but also because of your own personal background. So we want you to drive that conversation about you and for you to ask yourself, how do you want other people to talk about you? I'm saying you a lot, but you get the point. Well, there are two sides to that question. The first one is who you are as a person, and the other one is who you are as a writer. So let's first take a look at you as a person and understanding what you can bring to the table
1: on a personal level. So at its most basic level, understanding who you are as a person is important because it's going to help you to know what it is that makes you, I guess, diverse in the broadest sense of the word in terms of diverse point of view and background and experience. And speaking of experiences, I think your unique ones are gonna help a lot, right Alex?
0: Knowing those experiences will help you determine What is something only I can provide in a writer's room? So a lot of shows with specialized topics want those talented writers with unique professional experiences in the rooms. So if you're a veteran or work in the military, you will have a higher chance of getting staffed in an action-heavy drama, which needs that expertise and lingo. And if you were a lawyer, you can more easily parlay that knowledge and experience into a position on a legal drama. And the same goes for pretty much any professions. But it doesn't have to just be a one-to-one professional thing. Think about your unique personal experiences. Were you adopted? Are your parents divorced? What is your greatest personal failure? How close are you with your family? When did you last cry in front of another person? These are very intimate questions and I'm asking them for a simple reason. In the restroom, things will get personal you will spend more time with these five to 10 strangers than probably anyone else you know. So the earlier you are comfortable with what you as a person can bring to that table, the better.
1: I last cried in front of another person two minutes ago when Alex didn't like uh, the way that I said something. (laughs) Yeah, Paper Tears,
0: it's gonna be our, our new episode. But it doesn't mean you will have to define yourself by these experiences, I'm talking to you, Nick. You don't have to define yourself by that time you shed a tear in front of me, it's, it's, all, it's all good. Or that you will be forced to share those experiences with other people. It just means that you as a real hero and real human being have to be confident enough to tap into those moments, either in your scripts or in person in those rooms or even in those meetings. So honestly, if straight white Midwestern bros can do it, you can too, no offense to your straight white, Midwestern bros
1: listening to us today. (laughs) So another thing aside from those unique experiences are your passions and your interests and your hobbies. These are going to help set you apart. So think about what you've had a lifelong passion for, even if it's not something that is still present and active in your current day-to-day life. You know, when I realized that I wanted to be a writer and not a clinical psychologist as I thought I did at university, I I looked back and I realized that it had kind of been under my nose all along. I mean, I was trying to write fantasy novels in the back of my exercise books to elementary school. I was constantly writing short stories and getting them published in school yearbooks and crafting Dungeons and Dragons campaigns for my friends. So, you know, it was so clear, but I had kind of lost sight of that while I was convincing myself that I was meant to do something else. So you can kind of find those things that are both obvious that you're passionate about, but also those things that you might have lost sight of, but are maybe still a part of you deep down somewhere. I feel like this is kind of psychology also, so you found your A little calling. bit. It still came in useful. So, you know, another more recent example is that, you know, I'd gotten so caught up thinking of myself as a straight comedy writer that I forgot about my deep love of science fiction. And that honestly used to dominate my life and my interests when I was younger. And once I decided, oh, I'm a comedy animation writer, I figured I would never really get a chance to write science fiction professionally. And now I work on a sci-fi comedy animated TV show. So, you know, that connection to sci-fi and those classic shows and novels, even books about theoretical astrophysics and whatever I'd consumed absolutely helped me to get that job in that showrunner meeting. So don't close yourself off. You can find unique ways to blend your interests, even if they don't seem connected. And that may make you even more unique.
0: Yeah, and these areas of interest are also great generative tools for your own stories. Uh passion for a specific genre is broad, but you can also be specifically passionate about, say, politics. And you can write your own specific take on the American government or maybe another country's government. You can even think of all the different clubs you were in high school or in college and the message boards you went on, the Reddit sub-communities you were subscribed to. Those are all those little interests that make you a person. It's kind of a patchwork of who you are as a human being. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. And I mean, along these lines, somewhere between these deep passions and your kind of lofty experiences in life, I think is also what you do in your spare time or for fun. And I do think that a lot of people overlook this. You might think, oh, I just play tennis, or, or no one cares if I play Diablo on my PS4 to blow off Steam, but you know, you would be surprised. Aside from just it being a relatable human thing to connect to other people over, your interests and your hobbies can help brand and define who you are and make you memorable to others.
0: To that point, hobbies and those things that you do in your spare time are pretty much always topics of conversation in a writer's room, since people love to chat about anything other than the work itself. So watching TV is great, But as mentioned, uh, if you play specific games at home, maybe mentioning that particular interest will forge that bond with your showrunner or other writers who are also gamers. So the more specific that
1: interest is, the more specific that connection to that other person can be. Absolutely. I mean, for example, my writing partner, Kelly, is a huge Dungeons & Dragons player. You know, so much so that the company behind it, Wizards of the Coast slash Hasbro, actually approached her to Dungeon Master and run a campaign on a live stream every week for an audience of thousands of people. And, you know, that's a great story to mention in your meetings with people. Not only is it interesting and memorable, but maybe the exec that you're meeting with loves Dungeons & Dragons too. Maybe one day you'll all go play a game together and become friends. You know, maybe they have a project coming up in a fantasy world of of wizards and knights and because of your knowledge and experience with the world of DD, you'd be a great fit for that you really just never know how little things like that can help you connect and bond with people and might be relevant to writing or business i always say the more comfortable and vulnerable you're willing to be with someone in a meeting or in a room or just you know being publicly or on your your twitter or whatever unashamed about your quirks and letting your freak flag fly the better Yes, I often shed uh, single-tiered meetings to show I'm vulnerable, but also still in control of my emotions. (laughs) (laughs) It's very American psycho of you, Alex. (laughs) Thank you. So one last thing, you know, obviously got your experiences, your passions, your interests, but there's another thing that I guess you can call the POV or your point of view as a person, not, you know, in your writing. There's definitely something to be said about this lens through which you see the world. Everyone sees it differently. Now, yes, it is largely influenced by your experiences and your upbringing and your education, your social strata, etc. But aside from all that, there's always a way that you look at things in the present. It's your outlook on life, it's your philosophy, your personal politics, your spiritual beliefs or religion, your sociopolitical ideals. All of these things help kind of shape your experience of the world and the way you interact with other people. They are the unique viewpoints through which story can be drawn or characters can be crafted. So sure, being a libertarian Sufi Marxist might not qualify as diversity in the traditional sense, but damned if it's not an interesting way to see the world and that helps make you unique.
0: Yeah. And again, this all ties back to who you are as a person. When you go out with friends, when you talk with your significant other, when you catch up with your family, these are all elements that make you, you. So be cognizant of those elements and harness your own perspective. It will make you not just a better writer, but also a better person. Now that you know who you are as a person, the next step is to understand who you are as a writer and try to match those two
1: elements with what kind of stuff you write. Yeah, so I think one of the big things to think about when you're looking at this are your strengths and weaknesses as a writer. So which areas of writing have you always excelled at? For example, are you good at coming up with unique characters with strong voices? Are you great at building incredible sprawling worlds and deep mythologies? Do you like to write fast, exciting, and visually stunning action sequences? Are you really good at quippy and punchy dialogue and jokes? Or maybe you're more focused on exploring moving and resonant deeper themes in your work.
0: And your writing strengths aren't something that you will instantly be able to know. And just because you think you're good at something does not mean you actually are. You can look up the Dunning-Kruger effect for more on that cognitive bias. You can discover what some of those skills actually are by what people compliment you on in their feedback. People will often give you props and highlight specific elements that were compelling when they give you notes
1: on the scripts. So look back at that feedback, make a note of what people especially appreciate about your work. Yeah, and finding those strengths will help you sell yourself even further. You may think that you're limiting yourself or closing off your options by narrowing it down too much, I mean surely the best thing would be to say that you're good at everything, right? Oh, I'm a super well-rounded writer who does everything. Well, I mean, perhaps counterintuitively, that's not the case. I mean, we've used this metaphor before, but if your toilet is overflowing and flooding your house, do you call a general handyman who may or may know what to do, or do you go straight to the master plumber who specializes in pipe leakage repair? You know, showrunners and producers are looking for those pitch hitters and specialized writers who excel at certain things to round out their room. They may have already hired a co-EP who writes the best damn dialogue you've ever read, so they're not worried about having a staff writer in the room who can punch up character lines. But maybe they do need someone who can help build out the world and come up with unique takes on fairy tales to turn into monsters each week. And that's where you come in with your degree in classic literature and experience in the room of NBC's Grimm.
0: Yeah, I would also say to be proactive and look at those TV shows currently on the air to judge what you can bring to that room. So you can ask yourself, what would make me perfect to write for that specific show? Maybe you want to work on The Flash because, well, you know everything there is to know about DC Comics. But as Nick mentioned, truth is they already have those specialists on staff. So it isn't just about your knowledge base, which anyone with enough time can build, really. But... What is your angle to that knowledge? So it turns out maybe you can also write amazing stories about the awkward transition to adulthood for whatever personal reasons in your past. Well, that can be a great thing to highlight in that meeting since for most of those CW shows, this is their bread and butter. And TV isn't just about being a jack of all trades. So conversely to your strength, you should also know your weaknesses. That way you can really hone down on what to emphasize depending on which room you're trying to get in on. So perhaps you love watching cop dramas, but you suck at figuring out plot for cases. Well, if you ever go out for staffing on those shows, you are already aware that this isn't something you should highlight, but maybe they'll be looking for someone who can come up with amazing quippy lines, which is your specialty. And like for strength, you can pick up on what you are weaker at through the feedback of your peers. If people keep bumping against twists in your sprawling epic, then maybe you are great at world building, but you need to focus on platforming those emotions and stories within that world. And on that topic, let's do a little pop quiz hotshot. <laughs> Okay. What is this? Uh, all right. Here's how this is going to work. I'm going to give you some iconic writers and showrunners, mm-hmm. and I want you to summarize in one word, maybe two words, what their specialty is. Okay. And our audience can see that if you're a successful showrunner, then probably you know what they do best.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's do it. All right. Number one, friend of the show, a long-time listener, Shonda rhymes. Okay. Characters, twists. Great. Next up, A.A. Ron Sorkin. Dialogue, walking. that works uh ryan murphy
1: Uh, concepts and
0: characters all right last one david benioff and db weiss sex and violence (laughs) sounds about right see we can all be summed up in two words pretty successfully (laughs) the future of us as people summarizing everything we've ever done
1: in two words or less (laughs) and i'm sad now just thinking about it I mean, along these lines, you might say, well, what if I market myself to a specific niche, like hard sci-fi drama, but that's not what someone's looking for, and then they pass me over for someone else? Well, A, that's probably going to happen anyway, regardless of how you brand yourself, that's just the nature of the industry and trying to get a job. B, you just have to accept the risk of maybe not getting work on something you might not like as much by targeting yourself specifically at something that you do like. So if you're an adult animation comedy writer who writes stuff like BoJack and Rick and Morty, then yeah, they're probably not going to hire you to write for toddlers on veggie tales. But you have to ask yourself if you would have wanted to do that anyway. There's this mindset with emerging writers that work is work and you'll take anything, whether it's in your wheelhouse or not. But I think you'll quickly learn that is not what's best for your career, your brand or your sanity long term. What about focusing down on that personal story?
0: I think a lot of people are asking themselves, okay, how does my personal story fit within my samples? Or in fact, that dreaded question, why do you write this thing and not that other thing? Well, often you can draw a simple direct line between say a Navy SEAL writing a pilot about Navy SEALs, but most samples will be more obtuse compared to your personal narrative. So try to vocalize why exactly you are writing something and don't just say, well, I wrote this sci-fi thing because I like science fiction or I just wanted to write a comedy about a pony becoming a unicorn. The why in this question is the real personal reason behind the story. So, okay, you like science fiction, but why? Well, I like science fiction because I was socially alienated from other kids when I was at school. And so I turned to those other worlds as a form of escapism. And as an adult, I've now found science fiction gives you the opportunity to offer an intimate, or look at humanity in a novel and interesting way. Well, great, now I know more about who you are as a person, what you're passionate about, but specifically why you are writing these projects. So let's look at another example. Why do you want to write a comedy about a pony becoming a unicorn? Well, I lost my grandmother at a young age, and I recently discovered she had the secret art collection about ponies she collected for over 20 years. Separately, I've always been drawn to the whimsical and unique nature of unicorns. So through this pilot about a pony transforming into a unicorn, I wanted to combine those elements both as a tribute to my grandmother and to tap into the emotions of what it means to be different.
1: So let's look at some real-world examples of people who have had their TV shows made because of those personal connections. Now, the first one is S-H-I-T, My Dad Says, mm. um, by Justin Helpern. Now, this was originally a Twitter account started by a, quote, semi-employed comedy writer, Justin Helpern, and it was literally just funny quotes that he had heard verbatim from his dad. Then it kind of blew up online and got retweeted a bunch, and from that, he got a book deal, and then they turned that book into a sitcom on CBS. That quickly got canceled. True, but he got a show, and that's more than most of no. So, you know, is this going to happen to everyone? No. But even if he didn't get all that crazy success, it still would have been a great thing for someone to point to online and promote themselves and their comedy. You know, I run a satire website called the Salmon Pages and several of the folks that I write it with have been approached for meetings or for work just from people having read and enjoyed that publication and the articles they wrote.
0: Yeah, and on the drama side, you can look at shows that explore themes personal to the writers, so you can watch any of Alan Ball's shows and see this exploration of the integration of homosexuality in society. Uh, Six Feet Under features a closeted mortician and funeral director whose partner is this buff African-American cop who's angry at him for staying in the closet. True Blood is in many ways an analogy for gay integration. The opening credits features a sign stating, God hates fangs. That's amazing. The, yeah, the pilot speaks of vampires coming out of the coffin and seeking acceptance in society. It's not very subtle, but it's there. And Six Feet Under, of course, is also an exploration of grief. When Alan Ball was 13, his sister died in a car accident while she was driving him to a music lesson. Two years after that, his dad died, and in between, a grandfather, a grandmother, a great-aunt. There's this whole interview, I will link in the show notes, of Alan discussing his own relationship with funeral homes, and that obviously influenced Six Feet Under in many ways.
1: Yeah, I mean, each episode of The Goldbergs is literally inspired by an incident, or I think even a home video recording from Adam F. Goldberg's life. Now, Adam Goldberg was a working writer for 10 or 15 years before he got this show, but you can bet that a large reason that his show was greenlit was because of how uniquely him it was and how literally he could be the only one to tell these stories. You know, network executives have hundreds of seasoned TV writers and producers come in every year to pitch them shows, and only a handful of them make it to pilot, let alone series, let alone long-running smash hit series with 100 plus episodes. So his personal connection to this show is what makes it work. Now, this might sound odd, but the more specific and personal something is, sometimes the more universal and relatable it becomes. You know, we identify Identify with what he went through and the similar experiences that we've had in our lives. So linking who you are to what you write and explaining why you write what you write
0: are questions you will be asked in general or staffing or shorter meetings. So connect those dots between who you are as a person and what stories or skill you bring to the table. It's kind of all a chicken and egg situation at the end of the day. If you already have samples and are just learning about yourself, then you can reverse engineer your scripts and figure out what makes them unique to you. On the flip side, if you've been vocal about your unique personal stories, then perhaps these are ripe emotions to channel in
1: interesting scripts. Right, and obviously not every pilot you write can be or should be a memoir of your upbringing or the specific details of your life experiences, but there should always be some form of personal connection between what you have written and you as a writer. Maybe it's finding the inspiration for a character in someone you knew, or a story created from a what-if scenario, like what if something different had happened that time you got lost in the woods as a kid. You know, whatever it is, just find a way to make it unique and personal to you. So, now that you understand who you are as a person and who you are as a writer, we're going to talk a little bit about selling and branding yourself. So, if you've kind of taken our advice in all these previous steps, now you're not just a writer, you're not just a drama writer. You're perhaps a horror thriller genre drama writer who specializes in world building and exploring themes through the metaphor of fantasy worlds because of your background growing up as the daughter of a professor of occult studies and that you used to be a practicing Satanist. Yeah, been there, done that. (laughs) Haven't we all? I mean, but it's much more interesting than just, oh, I'm a drama writer. You know, now if someone knows exactly who you are and how you could potentially be of a benefit to them as a writer, then the next step is to brand yourself and put that out into the world. And
0: of course, the first element to use once you know who you are is social media, and unless you already have all those connections and are getting all those meetings, you should probably be on social media. I know, we all hate Facebook, but this is not about sharing your private life or what you had for breakfast. This is about curating what you want people to see about you, which hopefully you figured out by now. So if you want to be known as the ultimate writer of detective stories, maybe you can tweet out comments that relate to detective
1: stories or reviews of noir stories or interesting insights on crime stories. At the same time, I think it's super important to be genuine about it too. You don't want to seem like you're very thinly just trying to promote yourself or do this because you might be getting something out of it for example only ever posting about your competition wins or retweeting people's compliments that <laughs> they've given you or listing your log lines or something so you know try to offer something that's valuable to other people too whether that's jokes or humor or interesting discussions or fun photos or links whatever that may be no one's going to follow an account whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram that is 100% see-through self-promotion and narcissism
0: yeah and you can always emulate writers you do admire or respect all already. Follow them online. What do they talk about? Do they share advice about the craft or do they comment about politics? Do they tweet out jokes? It also doesn't have to be about a strictly personal account. A lot of people have their own Facebook page, which is a separate thing from their Facebook profile. Take a look at our Facebook page for Paper Team With TV Calling. And if you're more on the visual side, Think about Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, and no, you do not have to be a full-time YouTuber, but you can still showcase your visual talents in new and interesting ways. Look at how Will Smith and The Rock are curating their own images online. And still on that social media track, you have to establish that online presence outside of the Twitters of the world. Open an incognito window right now in your web browser and look up your full name. What websites are popping up? What do people see when they Google your name? You're being Googled by everyone you meet, even Nick. I always Google him every single day. Uh, It's (laughs) great. So make sure you have control over what those people see of you online. And one way of doing this is to essentially build a basic personal website or blog under your own full name purchase your name as a domain name and have either a static page or a dynamic blog under your own name. It's pretty easy to get that first or top result for your name, who you are as a person in Google as long as you have that actual website and that actual domain. Honestly, it can be as in-depth or as cursory as you want it to be. It could just be links to your social media accounts. It could be a list of your spec scripts. It could just be the contact for your reps. Whatever it is, you should be the one claiming that domain before someone else does.
1: Yeah, I got alexfriedman.com, and I've just been lording it over him ever since. I post a picture of a baguette and a man smoking a cigar, and he he really hates it. But do you have alex-friedman.com? That's my actual domain. (laughs) alexfriedman. That's a different one. And
0: I have (laughs) australia.org, just
1: for Nick. (laughs) But yeah, no. Alex is right. Um, you need to also be careful about what is incidentally out there about you online that maybe you didn't intend to put out there or, or you forgot that you did. You don't want to protect yourself on social media and other places online. For example, are all of your personal Facebook posts and embarrassing pictures from eight years ago public? You know, you can check on your Facebook thing, view as public, and see what other people can actually see. Did you join some forum when you were twelve and upload a bunch of bad fan fiction or the first spec script you ever wrote that anyone could find on a Google search of your name? You want to kind of cultivate your image and brand online by paying attention to both the positives and the things you're putting out there as well as the negatives.
0: Yeah, and if they are those elements of your past online that you want to get rid of, well, I mean, good luck, but they are actual means of online editing of those old photos on message boards or removing archives of old website. Uh, You can literally go to web.archive.org to see if there's a copy of your past websites. So you really want to catalog what good or bad things are being broadcast about you online and what you project. So if you're a comedy writer, you should probably have jokes or funny content available for everyone to see. Uh, If you're writing about a specific niche, then maybe that insightful or entertaining content should be about that topic. So it's not really about being an influencer, it's about being your own
1: brand. It's not just important to put your brand out there online, but also in real life, you know, amongst your friends and in your network. It really helps to be known as the sci-fi guy or the animation writer to the people around you. You know, you'd be surprised at the amount of referrals or introductions that you'll get from that alone. Speaking of which, here's another thing that we often suggest, and that's kind of coming up with your own personal log line or one to two sentence pitch to sell yourself. And what you want to do with that is distill what makes you interesting and relatable into an elevator pitch for yourself as a writer. So when someone asks you, so what do you do? Or, oh, you're a writer? What kind of stuff do you write? You have a great answer ready. It shouldn't sound rehearsed or robotic, and you don't need to quote it word for word, but you should know the major points you want to touch on. And this will be useful everywhere from social media and networking situations to general and showrunner meetings. In fact, your reps will often sell you with a short one paragraph bio that goes out in every email with your samples so you might literally take some version of this that you've worked on to be used for that purpose
0: yeah and writing that bio is a great way to summarize what truly makes you unique both in a personal experience way but also the stories you want your audiences to connect to and a lot of people are starting out in different industries feel weird about coming up with writer's bio from scratch well i say to them lean into those past experiences channel those previous professional moments this should be a bio unlike any other because it is truly about you as a person
1: absolutely whatever you do make it interesting and intriguing because it might be the only chance you get All right, and what are our takeaways for this episode? Number one, understand who
0: you are as a person, your interests, passions, hobbies, life experiences, and point of view.
1: What is it that makes you interesting and unique as a human being? Number two, figure out how that fits with who you are as a writer, the kinds of stories you like to tell, your inspirations, what shaped you, as well as the strengths and weaknesses of your writing. How can you channel who you are as a person into what you put on the page?
0: And number three, know your brand. Once you know who you are and what it is that you do, make sure everyone else knows that too, both online and in person. Any resources for our listeners? Uh, Well, my resource this week is a book called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And this is a book primarily aimed at businesses who struggle to talk about their products or companies. It's kind of similar in concept to The Writer's Journey, but aimed at businesses. And obviously, this is not aimed at human people As brands per se but I still found it valuable and interesting uh, in terms of the insight it gave into crafting this emotional narrative around something that is usually this abstract concept what is a brand well it's this other thing that most people don't really understand so really I would take a look even if you don't have a business or anything like that this is really about you and I think a lot of people can find valuable
1: content in that book. All right, great. So that brings us to the end of our episode. Thanks to all our listeners for taking the time to tune in. You can get all the show notes for this episode at paperteam.co slash 86. If you want to leave us a review, we would love that. You can do it at paperteam.co slash iTunes. And all of those reviews are going to help us attract new listeners and have a really good time with cool people like yourself. And speaking of social media, I'm on Twitter at TV Calling. I'm at underscore NJ Watson. If you have any thoughts, feedback,
0: opinions, ideas for future episodes, send them to ask at paperteam team.co
1: and what are we doing next week next week we are having a chat to our friend bob dearden who has made his way from intern to tv writer now on cw's *iZombie*. so it's going to be a really interesting journey to hear how he did that mm, we're gonna pick his brain <laughs> we'll see you guys then. <laughs> see ya